the great sound, the wonderful, joyful sound of God's people. I love that. That's a healthy church. Praise God, a healthy church. For a few minutes, if you will, let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I want to take you to one of my favorite portions of Scripture. It is, to me, one of the greatest portions of Scripture you'll find anywhere, especially in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read beginning with verse number 1 and down through verse number 4. Nothing that you've not heard, but I think it would bear uh, repeating tonight and reading it. Don't you wish that you could read some passages of Scripture like it was the first time you'd ever read it? This is one of those that you just wish you hadn't ever read it, so when you read it, you, wow. I still want that wow factor, but Let's join together and uh, read with me if you would. He said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds." Ye are, you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. What a awesome, powerful passage of scripture and one that has mystified me for a long time until today. And I hope that I got a revelation because I think it's going to help me. I hope it will help you. And uh, we're just going to talk to you about removing the handicaps. Removing the handicaps. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is no doubt when you read the book of Hebrews that the writer was writing for the purpose of encouraging the New Testament church. They were words or they are words that encourage uh, to keep moving forward and to keep their eyes focused on the right thing. There's so many great things that can be found in the book of Hebrews that it would do you good to go back regularly and read it over and over again. But there is no doubt in my mind that part of the reason for the book of Hebrews being written was because the early believers were getting weary and they were getting tired and many of them evidently were were thinking or wanting to give up. If it were not so, then 
The writer would not have even addressed that in this 12th chapter, but he said, I'm saying all these things to you so that you do not be weary or grow weary and faint in your mind or give up. And so it is evident that the New Testament church was encountering things in this hour that was very unsettling. There was a great shaking and the stability of the old was passing away and new things were filtering in and there was a great war of faith that was going on. And for some, no doubt their faith was wavering and and the writer goes to great detail to underscore the importance of faith and he gives a whole chapter chapter 11 we know it as the hall of fame of faith or whatever you want to title it it is a powerful and encouraging passage of scripture that has always amazed me and i love to read it from the amplified bible because in the amplified bible it takes the phrase by faith and it amplifies it to the full meaning of the Greek word that is used in that particular connotation. And over and over you will find the the scriptures say that he was enabled by. When he said faith, by faith he did these things, he was enabled by or he was empowered by. That faith is an enabling and an empowering element in our life that we cannot live without and we cannot survive without it. And even though the world in which they were living in was shaking, the words came to them to help settle them and settle their nerves and help them continue on their path of living for God. And he uses the, the analogy of racing and, uh, and running, and that was something that was very common and familiar to them in that day. They identified with that. They understood the importance of what he was referring to. And these were people who were being shaken by so many things that uh, they didn't understand. And so they were, they, they were being moved and, and uh, he, he was, he was trying to undergird their faith and, and help them so that they would not be shaken, that they would live by faith and not by sight. You'll find that in the book of Hebrews, that they would not live based on the temporal things, but they would live their life based on eternal things, that they would build their life on eternal things, permanent things, rather than the instability of temporal and passing things. And when you read it, it is brimming with encouragement. I mean, on almost every page, there is that shot in the arm. There is that lifting and that encouragement because you are surrounded by so many that have already been through this and they have won. And now they are here to help you. And so he begins the 12th chapter by saying that in essence that we are surrounded, we are encompassed, we, we are completely engulfed with a great cloud of witnesses. Now, the witnesses were not there to witness what we were doing, but they were there to witness to us of what they had done. 
that when we look around in this crowd that surrounds us that he speaks of, that we can see in them the encouragement that we need to go on. And so you are, you are surrounded by these winners. You are surrounded by these witnesses. These are men and women who have gone through and lived through some of the same things that you're going through and you're living through, and they won. They finished their race. Everybody say, I want to be a finisher. Would you do that? I want to be a finisher. It's not just to begin the race, but I want to finish the race. And so he he, he throws that analogy in there because he talks about Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our race. He didn't just start it, but he finished it. And you and I have got to be of the same mind. We didn't start out to stop. We started out to finish. Amen. Somebody say, I want to finish. Amen. And, and so he's giving them words to help them get to that finish line, help them finish the course that they had uh, they had begun. And so here they are. They are being cheered, not by spectators. Not These witnesses are not spectators, but they are actually witnesses of what can be done and what should be done in the life of faith. They are bearing witness to us that look what God did in my life. And if God did that in my life, he will do that in your life. Amen. So if you're having problems in your family and you don't know what to do, go study the life of Joseph and see how he dealt with family problems. If you're surrounded by all of these problems and you've got people that hate you and and they're trying to do you in, study the life of David and see how he learned to live with a giant he couldn't kill. Yeah, he could kill Goliath. He could kill the lion and the bear, but he couldn't get rid of Saul. Saul was a thorn in his side every day. The Bible said he pursued him every day. And yet it was during that span of David's life where he wrote the majority of his Psalms and the most encouraging words that you can read anywhere in the Bible are found in that passage of time in his life when he was being pursued every day by his enemy. But God was encouraging. God was strengthening him. God was lifting him up. God was keeping him. And if you want to know how to make it, study the life of David. If you want to know how to deal with uh, 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 an insecurity with your own abilities, go study the life of Moses. Moses said, I, don't, I can't do this. I'm, I, I stutter. I can't lead. And yet God used Moses. So you read the chapter, you read chapter 11 enough and let it get in your spirit and it will change the way you live. Study their lives. One of the best things you can do is go back and study the Old Testament lives of these that are mentioned here and learn something from what they went through. And there are so many lessons to learn. The bottom line is you can make it. Amen. You can make it. I can make it. I can overcome. I can win. I can get through this. I can overcome this. I don't have to give up. Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, you can make it. Amen. Now I'm going to tell you how to make it. Okay. Maybe that should have been the title of my message tonight, how to make it. All right. And so he, he starts off 
this chapter with these powerful words. Uh, and, and I want to go back and just start moving through them very carefully with you for a few moments, if you don't mind, and, and, and go with me. He said, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every, every weight, and, and everybody say, and, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So here's what he said. If you're going to win, if you're going to finish this race, I'm going to give it to you in simple form. You're going to have to get with it. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you need to get with it. And this is how you get with it. You're going to have to strip down all of the excess baggage, all of the things that want to attach themselves, every weight that would slow you down, anything that would hinder you moving forward, let go of it. Let it go. Get rid of it. Start running. Never quit. Don't take any extra baggage. Amen. I can't imagine anybody trying to climb Mount Everest with a pack of lumber on their back. But I will tell you what I have discovered. I've seen people try to get through life carrying a pack of burdens on their life that they could have laid down a long time ago. And all they do is hinder them. So let's talk about weights. I think this is interesting. When I found this out today and I was amazed that the Greek word from which the word weight is taken actually means crooked or hooked. And it implies anything that can hook you or get a hook in you so that no matter how far you run, you can't run far enough to get away from it. I wish I had a means of, of showing you what I'm talking about. But I just thought if I had a long rope, I'd hook it in that speaker right there. And I could walk anywhere I wanted to as long as it was no longer than the rope that I was attached to. And so many things in life have a way of hooking on to us. And they, we, we drag them. We wonder why we can't seem to get through it. And he said, you need to be careful that you don't allow anything in your life to get a hook in you that you can't get free from, such as jealousy or bitterness or hatred or anger or resentment. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things, but there are things that if we're not careful that can get a hook in you and they slow you down. Now, here's what you have to understand about the runner that that Paul was speaking of here. He was not talking to men and women about what was good or bad. He was talking about what was better and best. And he was implying to them that there is a way of running that does not produce its desired effect. A runner does not choose between good and bad, but he chooses between better and best. And he realizes that there are some things that I have to be careful to not allow to get a hook in me so that I can run, but I can't get too far. 
And next thing you know, you're feeling the, the pull of that on your life. So he said, lay aside every weight, every weight. And he doesn't name them. I think he understood that we had enough intelligence, we can name our own. Because your weight is not my weight, and my weight is not your weight. But all of us have weights in life that we have to deal with that try to impede our progress so we do not run effectively and live effectively for God. And then he said, lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset us. And that is a powerful statement. The words that are used there speak of that which is near at hand. It is the sin that hangs on. It is what encircles us. It is the thing that so easily subjects me to its peril or its calamity. It easily winds itself around me like the tentacles of an octopus. It is the sin that stands well situated in my life. It has been called the well-circumstanced sin. That which has everything in its favor. This is the thing that he's talking about. In other words, it is the sin that is easily justified in your life. And it's always there. He said it encircles you. Some say it is the sin of our constitution or the sin of our own human weakness and humanity. Some say it is what meets me at every turn of the road. Somebody said it is always presenting itself to me as an option. Some say it is what surrounds me 24 hours a day, the sin that doth so easily beset us. So what is that sin? Well, I've heard some people call it prayerlessness, and I think that is a sin if we don't pray. I think it is sinful if we don't pray. And I do believe that that is a sin that besets some people. But I don't believe that's what the writer was alluding to here. It could be fear. And I know that fear is a real culprit for many of us to deal with. The fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of whatever. We, 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 we sometimes have a tendency to look at life through the jaundiced lens of fear. And it, when we do, it paralyzes our spiritual man or the spiritual woman in us. And, and we are not free to live for God because of fear. We fear whatever. We fear the unknown. We fear the, our, our inability. We fear uh, what's coming. We, we fear... Uh, uh, that we don't have what it takes or whatever you want to say. So I'm certain that that for some people could be a besetting sin that people live in fear and they live 
uh, it's constantly around them. And, and for somebody else, maybe they would call doubt the, the besetting sin, that they just have a hard time believing God, or they're, they're always questioning whether the scripture was meant for them, or God really said that. And, and so there are many people that go through life questioning and doubting everything God says to them. I don't want to be a doubter. I, as hard as it is sometimes for me to, 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 to really open up and embrace what God's trying to say to me, when I ask God to speak to me and God speaks to me, I don't need to be afraid to receive that kind of word. But some people are, they, they're, they're, they're just doubters. <laughs> they, they don't believe it unless they see it. You know, they, their motto is show it to me and I'll believe it. And God said, believe me and I'll show it to you. And so, so many things don't happen. And I'm sure that's a besetting sin for some people. It, I, I have no doubt that it is, but I still do not believe that that's what Paul, and I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but I don't believe that's what he was alluding to. Some say it was distractions. It was the being drawn away. You know, when you're running in a race, uh, it was not uncommon for uh, tactics to be used to try to get an advantage over other runners. It wasn't uncommon for them to try to trip one another or to push each other out of the line. And if you got out of your lane, you were disqualified. And so there were all kinds of tricks that they would try. They would put obstacles in their way. They would, uh, they, they would do things to hinder them in their, their running to try to give their opponent an advantage over them. And so I'm sure that there were some, uh, there, there's some legitimacy to thinking that the, the, the sin that so easily besets us, that's constantly there 24 hours a day, are distractions. I have no doubt that that's a possibility. Uh, things that turn our focus away from what we really need to be focused on. But again, I don't believe that's what, that's not what Paul was alluding to. Um, and, and I'm sure there's many other things, but this is what I feel like God gave me today. And if you read the scripture again in the context of what he said, it becomes very clear. So let me go back and read the whole passage with you one more time. And then I think you'll get what I'm trying to say. He said, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The word patience does not mean what many times we try to interpret. It means perseverance. It means continuing on anyway. No matter the pain, no matter the obstacles, no matter the pressure, no matter what distraction, whatever, you just keep going. You just will not stop. So he said, we are to run with patience the race that is set before us. That's the first clue. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your 
mind. I'm going to tell you what I believe the sin that doth so easily beset us is. It is the sin of giving up. It is the sin of quitting. And you tell me that you have not tasted that or felt that in your spiritual journey. It is what is constantly with us. The pressure's too great. The job's too much. You can't make it. You can't live through this. You can't overcome this. And the thing that Paul alluded to in the writing here was that we have an example in Jesus Christ. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He not only started it, but he finished what he started. And he said, he is our example. Look to him. And the one thing that could have derailed everything that he had set out to do was the temptation that was thrown at him on the cross. All right? If you are the son of God, come down and we'll worship you. If you are the son of God, come off of that cross and we'll believe you. What was that? That was a temptation to quit what he had set out to do. Because coming off the cross wasn't going to deal with my sin or your sin. Coming off of the cross wasn't going to produce what the world would need in the forgiveness of sin. And so the greatest temptation was not those that were in the wilderness when he was tempted of the devil for those days and had all of those things thrown before him. But the greatest temptation that in his humanity he had to face down was the temptation to quit, to give up, and to say, you know what, there's an easier way to do this. I don't have to go through this pain I can do it another way. If I'll come down, they'll believe me. And that's what I came for them. I wanted them to believe me, but he didn't quit. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the sin that so easily besets all of us is that sin of giving up, of letting go, of quitting when we're right there, when we're so close. Letting go and going back, turning back. That's what he was trying to encourage them not to do. Don't, when you start out on this race, don't ever look back and don't ever turn back and lay aside that sin. Don't let quitting be in your vocabulary. You know what we need to do? We need to go home, get our dictionary out if you've got a dictionary and take a big black Sharpie and mark through quit. Amen. Take it out of the, don't leave it as an option because your flesh is just like my flesh and there are times that my flesh is weak and if I listen to my flesh I would turn around and go home. But I'm here. And you're here. Amen. I'm not 
I'm not trying to be super spiritual right now, but I'm going to tell you in the Holy Ghost that the greatest pressure that I have felt and you have felt in the last year is to give up, let up on our standard, let up on our belief, let up and, and, and enlarge the scope of your reach. Make it more compatible with our culture. Make it more acceptable to men and women. Don't make the lines so harsh. You know, kind of fade them out a little bit. And the greatest temptation that any of us will ever face in our life is that of giving up and throwing in the towel and say, you know what, it's just not worth it. You may struggle with doubt. You may struggle with fear. You may struggle with distraction. You may struggle with a prayerless life. But I will tell you what you will always have to deal with is that spirit that wants you to give up and turn back. Amen. And he said, this is what I want to tell you. Look at Jesus. He is your example. Keep your eyes on him. He began, study how he did it. That's what one translation of that verse says. Study how did he do it? How did he endure what he endured? How did he keep going even in the face of mockery and ridicule? I mean, they maligned his word. They opposed his plan. They perverted his word. They misrepresented him. They ridiculed his claims. And yet he went on in spite of all of that opposition. Amen. He went on. He loved them even when they didn't deserve loving. Oh. Look at his patience. Look at his perseverance. He went on in spite of all of the pressure and the ridicule and opposition and the obstacles. He kept going. He submitted himself to people who were less than he, but he submitted because he was not submitting to them, but to a higher purpose. Amen. When you find yourself flagging in your faith or when you find yourself growing weary, you need to stop and go back over this story and study what did he do? What did he do that helped him get through? Well, one thing I know he did is that he didn't, say, he, he didn't answer some things that were thrown at him. Amen. When they threw questions at him, he didn't answer them. That some things don't deserve a response. And all that the devil is looking for is to lure you into making a response because you can't make a right response in those circumstances. And the Bible said he did not open his mouth. Amen. You know, there's a victory sometimes in keeping your mouth shut. Praise God. You could 
You, you, you could beat the devil down tonight on some things if you just zip that lip and hold that tongue. Because the only power he has is the power you give him or I give him. And we give it to him by what we say, what comes out of our mouth. Amen. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher. When you find yourself struggling, go back over his story. Read through it again. All of the things that he endured and he kept going. One thing he refused to do, he would not quit. I think perhaps that is what the scripture indicates when the scripture says that Satan hath come and he hath found nothing in me. There was nothing in him that Satan could identify with. And the only thing that Satan could identify with would in him would have been quitting. Because that's what he did. Amen. He quit as the choir master of heaven to set himself up as God. And he's been a quitter ever since. And that's why our greatest weakness is to not finish. And you know the hardest part of any struggle is not the beginning and it's not the end. It's that middle section. It's that middle span of time when you're too far away from the starting line to see where you got started from and you're not far enough along to see where the finish is. And I'm going to tell you where we are right now as a church. We're in the middle. I have felt such a spiritual struggle in our church. I don't think there's anything wrong with our church. I don't think there's anything wrong with our spirit. But I know that in my spirit, there has been a struggle to try to get through. It's like, it's like slogging through quicksand, trying to move forward. Why? Because we're in that in-between stage. And when you get in there, it's a very dangerous time because that's when you grow weary in your mind. That's when you go weary in your spirit. And that's when you want to just give up and say, you know what? I can't do this. I'm going back. I've made up my mind tonight. I'm not going back and I'm not turning around and I'm going to write that word out of my deck. I'm going to scratch that word out of my dictionary. I do not want quit in my life tonight. Amen. I want to lay aside that sin that so easily besets us. And you know what? It's justified. That's what's so amazing about it. It's justifiable. Well, I'm tired. I'm weary. It shouldn't be this way. Guess what? There's a lot of things that shouldn't be this way, but they are. Life isn't fair. Life's painful. How many of you even thought you would have had to go through some of the pain you've had to go through the last few years? We didn't imagine that. That's life. And every time we turn, there is that whispering voice that says, you know what? There's an easier way. No, there is no easier way. The only way is to keep going. I love the writing of Christopher, or or, yes, Christopher Columbus in, in his diaries that he kept. And if you read the story of Christopher Columbus, 
they had come almost to the point of mutiny. He had been so long out on the ocean without seeing anything. But they said at the end of every day, he would write in his journey what the events of the day were, trying to keep tabs. But there were many days that the only thing he wrote in his journal was, and today we sailed on. And today we sailed on. I'm going to write it over today, and we sailed on. There may not have been any angels visit. There may not have been any voices from heaven. There may not have been any tongue talking. There may not have been any Holy Ghost surrounding me. I may have felt all alone and by myself, but by myself and all alone, I'm still sailing on. I'm not giving up and I'm not turning back and I'm not going to quit now. I'm not going to give in to that besetting sin because God didn't make me what I am to be a quitter. He made me to be a winner. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Praise God. Oh, Lord, help us to never, never, never give up. Never give up. Praise God. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Lay aside the sin that doth so easily beset us. Let's take quit out of the equation. Let's take stop out of the equation. Amen. Let's take giving up out of the equation. It's not an option. Amen. I don't remember which one it was, but I believe it was one of the explorers that came to Mexico back hundreds of years ago. It is recorded that when they arrived on the land that he burned the ships as they began their journey through the the country of Mexico exploring. Why? Because he didn't want any of them to have an option to go back. Amen. He, he, He wanted to eliminate the quit. And we all get weary. I'm tired. You're tired. We're all tired. We all need Geritol sometimes. Vitamin B12. But I I, I need to understand that there is a sin that encircles me all the time. It is constantly there. It's always presenting itself and it's always justifiable. You can always justify. Well, I tried, but I couldn't do it. Amen. I believe that the Lord is going to reward me not because I win, but because I finish. Amen. Amen. It's not about winning the race. It's about finishing the race. And if I have to be the last one crawling across the line, I plan on finishing. How about you? Amen. Take the hand of somebody that's near you, you love, and let's pray together. Father, we love you tonight and thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for reminding us that we are not alone in this struggle, that we are not alone in our battle, and we are not alone in this spiritual warfare. We are encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses, and they are testifying to each of us tonight that we can make it, that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb.
And by the word of our testimony that we have witnesses that are encouraging us tonight that say to us, you can make it. You can endure. You can live through that pain. You can live through that disappointment. You can overcome those obstacles. Lord, let us never let go of that kind of faith. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let us never, never, never let go of that kind of faith. Praise God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor one more time and say, hey, I'm not a quitter. Amen. Praise God.